Good Vibe Cinema presents Vibe Talking. Hey, party people! Welcome back to Vibe Talking, an exciting new podcast about films with off the charts vibes, films from the golden age of adult cinema. I am Vic Terry, executive producer of Good Vibe Cinema and your host for this program. And I'm joined here by my friend, neighbor, and co star, Manny V. What's up? And tonight we are talking about a, another fabulous film by Anthony Spinelli, because I have a type, definitely a fan of this dude's work. He has um, the range. He sure does. Uh, this one is called Dixie Ray Hollywood Star. And it is starring John Leslie, Lisa DeLieu, Juliet Anderson, Cameron Mitchell. What? Your boy Cameron Mitchell. <laughs> and Kelly Nichols. And this film is a film noir detective story. Uh, takes place in the 40s, but was made in 1982, which is really the uh, tail end of the Golden Age. This yeah. Is the... Uh, latest film we've covered yeah we are moving up the timeline a little bit and i think this might be um one of the i don't i don't think it's the first film to do this but uh it's definitely a really good example of a movie that they made both an r-rated version and a rated x version yeah okay that is pretty interesting so this movie has, it's you know, this one is called Dixie Ray Hollywood Star. This is the explicit film, and that's the one we're going to be talking about here. Um, but there is another version of the film called, it's called Murder Baby. And that whole thing is kind of a trip. Because I've watched that one too, not as much as I've watched Dixie Ray, but I was not that impressed with It's Called Murder Baby. Yeah. Like, it is. It's seven minutes shorter than this. So that's one thing. And then something else that's interesting too is... If you're a Red Letter Media fan like I am, uh, you know all about Cameron Mitchell. He's basically Nick Cage before there was a Nick Cage. Super prolific actor, talented when he was really focused and dialed in, but the rest of the time he was drunk off his ass. He's got a decent performance in this film, but one of the things he said in an after-the-fact interview is that he did not know they intended to release an, a pornographic version of the movie he was in. And he's not in any sex scenes. And all due respect to the man, uh, it's a good thing he wasn't. Uh, but <laughs> Savage. <laughs> <laughs> just being honest, folks. I'm just being honest. But he shot the movie without knowing like what he was actually working on. Like, Kind of speaks a little bit to... You know, how the whole industry was, was kind of being regarded. And then also just the fact that there was, on occasion, like some low down and shady shit going on. But I still will have a lot of love and respect for Anthony Spinelli. Yeah, you know what? I think that is a little sketch for sure. Um, yeah. But I think it really kind of just goes to show, like, that this film is a pretty legit movie like the fact that he was showing up on set doing these scenes doing scenes with john leslie who is the lead of this film and who is a porn star like john leslie holds his own in the scenes with cameron mitchell like the yeah. scenes with the two of them that are just the more kind of like dramatic scenes are some of my favorite scenes in the movie john leslie's a good fucking actor yeah and i think that's kind of the one thing that you and i were have been talking about a little bit is that this was definitely trying to be a legit movie, 
And in terms of everything that we've watched so far, when it comes to just like the plot and actually being a movie, this is by far the best movie. Like in terms of like script, acting, the costumes, you know, this is set in 1940, but shot in 1980. Dude, the production value is so fucking good. It is. (laughs) Every haircut, every car, every outfit, every set, even like the props, the guns, the phones, like just all of it is like... 200% 200% dialed in, attention to detail, fucking spot on. Yeah. The 40s detective noir is not that hard of a genre to nail down, but at the same time, you could very easily fuck it up, especially if you're just somebody who's just like, look, I don't care about any of this stuff. Let's just get to the fucking. Let's just get okay. to the fucking. And I... that's, like, there was attention to detail. So right off the bat, let's give them props. Mad props. Okay, I Because read... you know where it goes from here. <laughs> I read a review of this movie before I even saw this movie. And the person said, they didn't have to do any of this. (laughs) Wait, wait, any of this meaning? Like all of that production value and all of that. Like they're basically like, this is 1982. The golden age is essentially over. People just want to see... Lisa Daily Lou's big tits on a videotape. Like, nobody cares about the mystery. Nobody cares about Cameron Mitchell. Nobody cares about any of this. They're like, we just want to watch people fuck in our living room and lock the door and fucking, you know. like. Here comes John Leslie acting his ass off. Yeah. But that's because Anthony Spinelli is like a legit filmmaker, a legit director. Like, the money that was spent on this movie, the time and energy that was spent on this movie, like, that was not commonplace for adult films at this moment in time or it was definitely it was starting to get away from that yeah and so yeah this person was like the fact that they all brought it this hard like fucking respect you know because another shout out needs to definitely go to lisa de uh because man that scene she has at the end oh my god i can't yeah. wait to talk about like <laughs> there are so many people that are just like oh my god like that is it. Dude. Like, <laughs> and even me, like like just being a cisgendered straight man, I'm just like, damn, man, she has got a vibe going. Okay, like, well, see, that's It's the thing. camp, but it's like good, fun, entertaining oh, camp. If this movie came out today, this would be, she'd be like a meme. It would be like queen, icon, like serving vibes, serving looks, you know, like people would love this chick that... Nobody walks out on Dixie Ray would be like a TikTok sound. Like, <laughs> seriously. Like, it, it still could be. It, I think know? it should be. I think that needs to be our next situation. So, all you millennials and Gen Zers that are listening to us right now, like, get on it, you know? Yeah, I don't know how to make Revive a TikTok this. sound if anyone wants to help with that. <laughs> But yeah, so let's uh, let's recap the plot. Uh, you want to do it or you want me to do it? Sure, I'll do it because I'm going to try to streamline this. This plot is messy. So we will, as we obviously go through it, break down kind of scene by scene. We'll get into it a little bit more. But long story short, what? It's Chinatown, but a little bit more confusing. Okay. I have not seen this film. I need to step it up. I didn't. I hadn't seen that film last time we talked about Dixie Ray, and I still have. <laughs> so, I was too busy watching Deep Throat a twenty seventh time. All right, so you and the <laughs> listeners, you have homework. Watch Chinatown. If you've never seen Chinatown, shame on you. Go watch it. Finish listening to this episode first. 
So basically, here's the story. We have John Leslie, who plays Detective Nick Papadopoulos. Or is he a detective? It's a private eye. A private eye is not a detective. He's a private dick. Okay, exactly. In more ways than one. Hot. So (laughs) he plays this great, cocky, you know, sleazy, anti-hero type of guy. He gets called up by Dixie Ray, who is a washed up film star from back in the glamorous days, you know. And she tells him, somebody stole a dirty picture of me and I need to get it back. And they're trying to make money off of me and destroy my image and all this. And it's not chill. It's probably my ex-husband who's an asshole and he totally leaked the photo. So Nick is on the case. You know, he's starting to try to crack it, figure it all out. Turns out that Dixie Ray stole her own photo was trying to make money because her life is a hot mess and she's not a star anymore. And this is Hollywood, baby, so any publicity is good publicity. That's true. That's what's up. And if you can play both sides of it and be like, oh, I don't want this photo coming out, and you're the one leaking it, I mean, that's Kim Kardashian before Kim Kardashian. Dixie Ray was the original... Yeah, the original leaker. And then it gets even spicier because there's murder involved. Mm. She's trying to frame Nick. Spoiler alert. Mm. Uh, And her ex-husband is like totally chill or fairly chill. And she's trying to take him down to get his inheritance and just all sorts of shenanigans going on. But while it's happening, there are mad vibes flowing. Dixie Ray is wearing like feathered bathrobes and... yelling and she's amazing and nick is just smirking and smoking cigarettes and vibing around town with his blinds cracked in the soft glow of a neon sign creeping in it's hot (laughs) it's all very hot (laughs) yeah so you know it's your standard kind of boilerplate uh detective story This is where we start to get into, like, where we have some issues. Because, you know, again, I will reiterate the writing. Like, it's very, it's that snappy, fast-paced, you know, noir uh, dialogue. And not every single actor and performer can pull it off. And especially, like, going back to some stuff that we've said on previous episodes, it's really easy to just write off acting in porn movies. It's just like, oh, it's just bad. We're not here for the acting. We're here for the fucking. But in this, <laughs> in this, they are they are trying to draw you in with the acting and then be like, and guess what? Now you get to see a little blah, 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 And you know what else I really like about it, too? You know, we've talked about porn acting and, like, this kind of specific, like, stylized nature of it, you know? This film, I feel like, at least with the two leads, I feel like they are doing, like, over-the-top stylized acting, but not even so much porn acting, but more genre acting of the time period that they're playing like they are chewing up these roles dude okay literally dixie ray yeah dixie ray like reminds me so much of blanche in streetcar like so much and if anyone knows me i fucking love blanche (laughs) (laughs) so i was like hot hot love this movie But her acting style, it almost is like Vivian Lee. Like, that character, that acting is so cheesy and over the top. You know, no human being talks like that and acts like that. Uh, Lisa DeLeu's performance of Dixie Ray, like, feels more, it's like 
that time period, that style of acting more so than like the cheesy 80s porn acting vibe, yeah. you know? And John Leslie is very much playing that like classic iconic detective, you know? With For the most part, this feels like if they were making a porn film in the 40s, this is what it would look and feel and sound like. It's so authentic. But that's where like the praise kind of ends and then it really starts to get into, like, okay, are we here for the acting? Or are we here for the porn? Yeah, and okay, that is a really complicated thing. Because we keep coming back to this idea of, like, how do you balance sex and story? How do you make an adult film that has, you know, regular dialogue and characters? And having that really enhance the sex scenes by adding emotion and tension to it? And how do you make sex scenes that actually move the story forward and like if you cut them out the film would be missing something yeah you know and i think that this movie while it might be one of the better films that we've seen i think it's one of the worst adult films that we've seen i think (laughs) that this movie has the absolute worst weakest balance of sex and story yeah like the sex scenes absolutely feel like they were just thrown in there and the story sometimes when they're trying to do dialogue and stuff during the sex scenes it's honestly just fucking confusing yeah like it is dropping the ball in both regards and i feel like because i've seen this movie quite a few times at this point (laughs) i feel like every time i watch this movie i like it more as a movie and like less as a porno (laughs) Yeah, and I haven't watched it anywhere near as many times as you have, but the most recent time that I watched it, I was just kind of like, okay, I know when the sex scenes come up, and really what I'm paying attention to are just the acting, the dialogue, the writing, you know, how the lines are delivered, and the interactions between the actors, and that was the thing where I really started to get more into that to the point where I just would fast forward through the sex scenes. So I get to the next actual, like, plot-driven scene. I feel like we're watching (laughs) porn, like, the opposite way of anyone else. We're like, we're not here to watch fucking. We're here to watch acting. Yeah, get this fucking out of my way. I want to get to the acting, baby. In the way that you have your your catchphrase, and if you've if you've been listening to us on every episode, you know what it is. Yours is power in the scene. Oh yeah. And for me, I want to make diegetic sex scenes my my little catchphrase uh, because I felt like this genre and specifically the time period that it's set in, it set them up so perfectly to just have these sex scenes that just fluidly weaved into the story that they were telling. And somehow, like, Spinelli just kind of fucked that up. And I don't know if that happened because he was so concerned with trying to make a legit hard R movie and felt like, well, I also need to make an X-rated version, but that's not what my focus is. My focus is making this really good hard R movie. Well, okay, that is really bizarre, though, because... You know, the R-rated version that doesn't have any of the sex scenes. The plot isn't any smoother. Like, it still has the plot holes that the regular pornographic version of the film has. It honestly feels a little kind of clunky and stitched together. Like, I feel like it loses a lot of Then it becomes frustrating because it's just like, look, man, you're dealing with people in Hollywood, like the behind the scenes, like lifestyle of Hollywood in the 40s when like everything was kept 
outside of like what was reported in the press and everything. So it's like, here's your opportunity to have these over the top and very elaborate and very extravagant sex scenes. You can have like a 12 person orgy and it makes sense because you're like, yeah, like these are fucking Hollywood people. Like these are like the cream of the crop, like the best looking people. You know, it's like how they talk about at the Olympics in the Olympics village, just everybody is just fucking like bunnies in there so it's just like yeah of course like all these like you know hollywood like big star types are just banging everybody that they want whenever they want and it's just like that can just be in your story plus when you're also doing a detective noir story those movies would always tease the sex but because of the times they never showed the sex to you and so, like, here was your opportunity to take all of those classic films, all of those Sam Spade, Detective Noirs, and every time they tease sex, deliver on that. Yeah, that is something that this film is really, really lacking. There's plenty of sex in it, but there is very little sexual tension. Yeah. And so it makes the sex scenes feel very unmotivated and flat. I feel like the only characters that really have good sexual tension are Nick and Dixie. Like, are two really good actors who are bringing it, you know? Which, spoilers. They don't fuck. They don't fuck. There's a bead, which is solid. <laughs> that counts. And then it gets, like, awkwardly interrupted and everything, and you're just like... <laughs> with, with a great reveal. Which, you know, but it, it also, like, it kind of sums up what the audience experience is. Because you're just like, oh, damn, like, this isn't as satisfying as I want it to be. Maybe that's what they were going for. Yeah, I mean, like, maybe Anthony Spinelli, like, perfectly captured, like, the most meta experience that you could have watching a film. Like, your characters literally feel the same goddamn way that the audience feels. Okay, I kind of love that. (laughs) (laughs) He he accidentally created the most interactive film of all time. (laughs) That's a fucking vibe. All right, right, let's get into it. Yeah, let's get into the plot. The opening scene is, like, low-key, I think, one of the best scenes in the movie. If not the best scene. Well, and I'll say this, that I don't think that the opening scene is where this movie should have started, but go off. Okay. I'll get to it when we get to it. I love... The thing that the movie is doing the best is just the fucking vibe. The film noir, like, just really capturing that. And the opening title credits, it's like we're following the camera down this hallway to Nick's office. We see these, like, silhouettes behind, like, the glass door having, like, an altercation. There's a gunshot. There's this really amazing music. Super film noir vibe. Super iconic. There's this, like, build up and as you're like going down the hallway there's this kind of like voyeuristic kind of undertone and there's like we know some shit's about to go down and then it does and then like hard cut screens black opens back up on the inside of the office we have the rain we have the blinds cracked and the light peeking in and just it's it's just exactly what you think a film noir scene looks like it fucking looks like that and then we have uh cameron mitchell and another cop come in nick has a body in his office and we're about to find out how it got there and this is a little like flash forward kind of vibe so nick how'd you end up with a dead broad in your office such a vibe (laughs) so iconic and it just starts out so strong and like i feel like if you showed this intro to anyone like we said earlier john leslie holds his own with these other like quote-unquote like mainstream legit actors and it's just a good scene like we're already brought in with the mystery we want to know what's going on you know and it starts out so solid 
immediately fucking goes downhill from there. We go from one of the best, vibiest scenes to one of the absolute worst scenes. <laughs> Dude, the first time I watched this movie, I fucking fell asleep during this scene because I was so... I mean, I guess I fall asleep during all kinds of movies, so that it, that's not necessarily saying that it was a bad movie. But I fell asleep watching it, like, pretty much right after this scene. And then I was, like, not that motivated to, like, turn it back on the next day and watch it because this scene was so shitty. So what happens is we get, after our fantastic intro, we get a flashback to when Nick kills this woman that's in his office. And it's this character, Adrian, who I fucking hate her. I think she's such a bad actor and such a stupid character. And it's and funny to me. She's in like, so much of the movie. Because, like, you're usually pretty effusive with praise, but... You've held out some vitriol for two specific actors, and it was Harry Reem's assistant in Deep Throat. Carol Connors. Yeah, Carol Not Connors. Not a fan of that chick. <laughs> and then it's Adrian yeah. in um, Dixie Ray. And I was just like, damn, you really dislike... But, like, the more times I watched it, like, that's the thing, is, like... If you watch it the first time, she doesn't bother you as much. But the more times Dude, you watch it... disagree. The first time I watched it, I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? All right, well, and I'm, I'm speaking too... of my personal experience. Because <laughs> the no. first time I watched it, I was just like, yeah, I'd fuck this lady. I don't see Ugh. what the problem is. <laughs> I don't even think she's hot. Yeah, no, like, the more times I and watch it, I'm just like... is such a turnoff. Yeah. Well, okay, here's why. Let's talk about this. So, bringing up Carol Connors, side note, the reason why I didn't like her is because I think she was just boring. It seems like she just showed up and is doing the absolute bare minimum. She's not she's thinking about the no character. She has no personality. Yeah. And that kind of behavior or whatever, like, that would not fly in a regular movie. They would be like, this person's not a good actor. She's not going to be in this movie. Yeah. You know? Whereas Adrian, I feel like, or the, the actor Juliet Anderson, I don't know if it's her as an actor who's not bringing it. Because she's definitely doing something. Like, she's not being lazy like Carol Connors. She's being... I don't know if it's a direction thing. I don't know if it's a character choice. I honestly don't know what it is, and it's so fucking bizarre and confusing to me. Well, I'll kind of sum up, like, sort of what the vibe is, and maybe I'll, I'll hit on what it is that bothers you. But she seems like she's, like, a legit actress. Like, not a good actress, but, like, someone who has, like, credits and, like, has an agent and a manager and shit like that. And she got cast in this movie... And didn't bother to, like, read over, like, what the actual script was. And she got on set. And it's like, oh, I have to blow this dude? I already drove all the way over here. I guess I'll do it. Fine. Like, that's <laughs> sort does, of the vibe she's got going. Like it does kind of feel like that. And then, I mean, not to shit on her or anything like that. But on top of the fact that she's, like, kind of hot... But she, not like honestly, she seems the mean secretary to me. is way cuter than she is. I feel like Adrian, and this is where I don't know if it's an actor or a character thing. I think Adrian feels like a bitch, and I kind of feel like that is what they were going for. But to me, it's not sexy. Like it's not like a will they, won't they, or like oh she's kind of aggro, she's dominant. You know, like it, it. I don't know. Like it didn't come across as like a sexy challenge. Like it came across as like this chick is just grouchy. And it's well, off-putting. And then, like, the reveal later on is that she's a lover with Dixie Ray. I think what they were going for low-key was that she was the, pardon the phrase I'm going to use, but a man-hating dyke. And that, like, 
she it was does playing the part. Kind of feel like that. You know, when she blew Nick, but she hated every second. Well, okay, and then we got to get into that. Too. And if that's the case, then she did a good job because, like, it comes across in the scene of I don't she's think... doing this, but she doesn't love okay, it. Okay, okay, I want to talk about that. I have a lot of thoughts about that. This whole section is highlighted. Oh, <laughs> okay. here we go. Okay, so, strap in. So basically, just quick synopsis: what happens in this first scene? Adrian comes into his office. We don't know what's going on. This is the very beginning flashback. We like we don't know the context of what their dynamic is or what the case is or any of this. She comes in. Audience is just following what's going on. She says, Nick, I need that negative back of the photo. No, Nick, you, you can't take us down like this. Oh, I'm going to. You guys are horrible, you know. Oh, but Nick, if you bang me and bang Dixie, like we could all just be having a good time all the time. We should totally do that. And Nick's like, yeah, I don't know about that. And she's like, well, <laughs> let me just show you how good it could be. Here's and a shitty blowjob. Wouldn't you want shitty blowjobs at and any time I you want? I hate this blowjob so, 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 so much. Oh, my God. And, you know, I fucking love a blowjob scene. I was like, ugh, while I was watching this. She yeah. is just slurping, like comedically slurping. Like this feels like it should be like a cartoon dog eating spaghetti. Like, it's like, look, it's a dick, not ramen. It's so loud. Clearly was added in post. No other <laughs> scenes sound like this. Other scenes with her sound like this, but not with other actors. So it's like, why is this her signature soundtrack? It's gross. It's strange. It's Takes me out of it. I'm telling you, because she signed up for the wrong film. And her and, agent like was like, "Do this role, do this role. You'll <laughs> love it. You'll love it." And she's like, "I don't, Fuck. I don't think she's making that sound in real life though. It feels like they added it. Yeah, in. it's so weird because they had to. And They're like, how do we spice this up? I don't know. Put in ramen. That was a sounds. horrible decision. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that I really don't like about her performance is, and this is complicated because. There's a lot going on in a sex scene. There's a few different angles you got to think about. Like, what's happening in the story? What's going on with the characters? Like, because I feel like different characters, different people fuck in different ways. And the shit that we like and the shit that we do, like, kind of says something about who we are as people. It says something about what a dynamic is, you know? Yeah, this has come up in, like, previous episodes. But at the same time, you are playing towards an audience. Yes. And you want them to think it's sexy. She is playing so hard to the audience. Like, it almost feels like she's, like, winking at the camera. Like, sticking her tongue out and just wiggling it around. Like, just for the sheer showmanship of it. And it's like, I don't think that feels that great physically for the other actor on set. I don't think it makes sense that this takes place in the 1940s. And, like, this is a character who, like doesn't really want to be here like I don't I, I just don't think it makes sense it's very jarring and tonally it is so inconsistent it feels like cam girl kind of thing yeah that's not how these characters would fuck that's not what the world we've established like those aren't the rules of this universe no other characters are doing something that tongue-in-cheek it's jarring it is distracting well and I feel like when it comes to shooting a sex scene and again like I've I've never directed porn like I don't have any experience with this the two main ways that you could approach it is either POV or you can shoot it from a more voyeuristic angle. I don't know. Like, do you feel like this kind of splits the difference? Or... Yeah, it's like it's not doing either. So it's not doing anything right. Yeah. You know? That's kind of another thing about this is like, not only are the sex scenes not as 
they don't ever reach like what their actual potential could be. For the most part, they're not shot in a way that like is that alluring for the audience. Yeah, and also that's satisfying for us as viewers. I totally agree. And the character dynamic that's going on in the sex scene also totally makes no sense because this was confusing right off the bat. They they are trying to cram a bunch of dialogue and exposition into this loud, weird blowjob. And it is so fucking confusing. And I'm like, I'm over, like the first time I watched it, like I'm literally over here, like taking notes, trying to pay attention and I'm lost. And I'm like, so how is the guy who just came in here in 1982 to jerk off gonna have any fucking clue what's going on? Like, why don't we save the exposition till the next scene? Like, I don't understand why well, they're trying anything, to do it. It's so badly written, badly structured. If anything, like, because this is a flashback, like, have have Papadopoulos start off with the blowjob already happening. Be like, so I was sitting in my office, this chick's blowing me. Yeah, it's like we could have... Why I is think, the chick I blowing me, Papadopoulos? no exposition, just wrapped up and media res sex scene, and then filled us in later after we enjoyed the scene. And now it's like, oh, what was that blowjob about? Oh, well, here you go. Let's move the story along. You know? Well, and, and, and to my point, um, I don't even think this is where the movie should have started. Where the movie should have started was inside uh, Barclay's hotel room. Okay, hold on, hold on. I gotta finish saying why Adrian's horrible. No. <laughs> I have one hey, more hey, note. Hey, hey, one hey, more hey, hey, note. Hey. Okay, so I won over why the acting was bad, why the fucking framing was bad. I don't think the characterization makes sense either. So like you said, you know, man-hater. That's really confusing too. And I don't know if this is a choice. I don't know what they're trying to do. Either way, I don't think it works. What is basically happening, again, we don't fucking know these characters. If we had this scene later in the film, it could have been such a charged, tense dynamic. But it's not at the fucking beginning of the movie because we don't know how they feel about each other. And so she's blowing him. And he's like, oh, well, I thought you were a lesbian. And she's like, I am a lesbian. But I love cock as she's loudly, slurpily blowing him. Which just, I'm sorry, stupid fucking line. But like, then that opens the question of like, in the narrative of the film, obviously we're talking like, you know, real life. There's all these other fucking layers. But we're just talking these characters. What's happening in the scene? How are we supposed to understand what's going on here? We have a couple different options. One, it could just be like, she's by. She's attracted to Dixie Ray and she's attracted to Nick. And this is a genuine, enjoyable blowjob. That's one take. Another take could be like, she's gay, but something about Nick is just extra spicy, which a little <laughs> problematic perhaps, but like, I yeah. feel like that trope exists and it would have made sense narratively if they had chosen to do that. And what you brought up and what I think would have been great and I think would have worked if they'd done this later in the film. She's in love with Dixie Ray. She's not into dudes. She fucking hates Nick. And she goes into this situation like, I do not want to fucking do this. I fucking hate this guy. This is going to be gross. But I'm doing this for Dixie and I'm going to fucking power through it. And then Nick, knowing this and just being a complete douchebag about it. Definitely a darker tone, but like I feel like this film has a darker tone. I yeah, feel like that makes sense like with what we know about these characters. It would match up with this character. Yeah, yeah. exactly. 
Like him smirking and her just like fucking sour faced and then their like conversation before and after it having just the weight of what fucking went down between them. Like that would have been a compelling character driven sex scene. Yeah. But they dropped the fucking ball because we don't know who the fuck these people are. Which is going to be a and theme none of with them this discussion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible. So then she wraps up the blowjob. She's like, give me the negative. He's like, I can't do that. She pulls a gun on him. They do the fucking, like, Greedo shot first or whatever the fuck happened. <laughs> you know, and then fucking he plugs her. They make it self-defense, but it's just like the only other person that was there is now dead. So it's just like, okay, I guess we'll believe Nick, Nick, you know. So that happens, and that's when we start to really get into the plot. Because next... Next is the secretary. And this is another scene that I think would have way benefited from having context having happened later in the film because this was another one where there's so much dialogue to the point where it is distracting and again the first time i watched it <laughs> and a I'm lot like, of dialogue that has nothing to do with the weird. plot literally and and what we find out later in the film is that that is the characterization of this woman that she is just this ditzy secretary this like hot dumb blonde who just is horny all the time and like Cannot stop talking. Her husband is off fighting in World War II, and she cannot stop fucking her boss. And she's just, like, there's a scene later where she's just on the phone, just like, yap, 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 yap. Like, that's her whole thing, is that she just is just rambles, you know? And so that's happening in this sex scene. She just won't stop talking. Like, she's like, remember that one time when you did this? And remember when we did this? And remember the first time you saw my ass? You said I had an angel cake ass, which is just a (laughs) fucking ridiculous line. And again, we don't know that this is her character quite yet. It has not been established. So I'm just sitting there watching this like, oh my God, like, why is there so much dialogue? Like, this is so excessive (laughs) like it's fucking bizarre it's like spinelli loved these characters but he didn't do a good job of letting us understand why he loved these characters making us also love the characters yeah and so that created some issues again though great production value like this chick's hair and her like stockings are like just like it's such a look such a vibe so on point nick has like the wife beater and the little sock garters which like yeah hot and the perfect film noir lighting little cracked blinds the shadows peeping through as they doggy style it on the couch like it's great there's some great visuals going on i mean that 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 whole betty page aesthetic like i'm a huge fan and you know if you want to understand like part of the reason why this was such a big letdown for me it was you had all the things there to make this like one of the hottest porns i've ever watched and then just drop the fucking ball did not maximize on all the opportunities you had right there yeah and then finally we start getting into the actual narrative dixie ray the titular character of dixie ray hollywood star finally comes into the mix and she is a fucking Badass. This chick is hot. Mm-hmm. She is vibey as hell. And she's so confident and dramatic. So she has this meeting with Nick. She's telling him the whole thing about her photo being stolen and all that. And there's a little bit of like flirtiness. There's like great sexual tension. So much back and forth, like power in the scene. And that's what I like about them. It's both of them have the power in the scene. 
for most of the time, up until the very, very end. And even that's a little rocky of, like, who kind of has it because the situation yeah. is so messy, you know? There's there's this constant, like, teeter-tottering of the of the power dynamic. And it's great. Like, it's it's entertaining to watch. I, I wish we would have got more of these two in scenes together. Yeah. Like, fucking or not. Like, just the way that they talk and interact with each other is so damn good and so compelling. And there's such a good little subtle exposition here. He says something like, Oh, you you used to be Dixie Ray, right? The movie star, you know? And she's like, I still am. Like, and just the way she says it is so, like, badass. And it's like, in that moment, it's like, we know so much about, like, who this woman is and how she navigates her world. And, like, he immediately becomes, like, kind of entranced by her a little bit, you know? And it's like, we fucking get it. Because, like, shit, I was watching it. Like, yeah. she's great. And then the next scene, so that's the moment where I feel like the movie, movie starts getting good. We're on the case. I honestly think the whole case is so interesting and it's like a really good plot and like an interesting story. And then this next scene is, I think, the first good sex scene. First one, horrible. Second one, eh. this one, actually legit good. So he goes, he's trying to find Dixie Ray's husband or ex-husband or whatever at this point. And he goes to this hotel and he finds this woman in the hotel room and she's kind of like high and kind of like fucked up and she's like laying in bed and she's got these crazy Which, eyes and she's coming on strong. Real quickly, problematic. A little problematic, for sure. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was the 1940s. Yes, It was the 1980s. It was the 1980s. Doing the 1940s. It was okay then. It's not okay now, but no, back then, like, it's you know. It's sus. It's sus. You understand. You have, to, you have to just be like, oh, okay. Anyway. She's coming on strong, though. Like, she's trying to pull him into bed, and he's like, oh, what? You know? But then he's like, I'm on a mission, toots. Like, where's Charles? You know, he starts getting all, he's like, rough with he it. gets very rough. That's, oh my god, okay. So Which somehow they make that hot. Which personal, again, problematic, personal but the time period, you aside, have to it gets a pass. What I like about it, though, is basically as he's interrogating her and kind of like slapping her around and all that, they're also getting progressively more fresh. But as they get fresher, it gets softer, which I thought was really interesting because almost like the way that he fucks like the secretary you know he's like bending her over and plowing her it is like kind of a sensual soft like there's a lot of like kissing and like heavy breathing and like they're really close to each other and they're like talking softly to each other and like the juxtaposition of like physically what's happening sexually the energy of like this interrogation like situation that they're in it's really interesting. Which, like, going back to when we were, you know, heaping some praise on that, that is a sign of how well John Leslie got into his character that it extended all the way into his performance in his sex scene. Yeah. It was an extension of the character he created with, you know, his fully clothed, dialogue delivering scenes. Like, it's consistent throughout, and he deserves credit for that. Like, he did a great job. And then also, Spinelli deserves credit for that, because as the director, he's the one in charge of making sure that all that shit matches up. 
Yeah, they work together a lot and they do really well together. I feel like it's like a Damiano Harry Reams dynamic, which I love. Like I love when like actors and directors like just vibe with each other. They vibe with the same work. Yeah, and, like, I mean after watching this, like I definitely like want to watch more John Leslie films. Dude, there's some Because like that was the thing for me is like knowing that this was a movie that was shot both as an R-rated and an X-rated film. Is John Leslie primarily a legit actor who kind of delved into some porn or was he a porn actor who actually was a good actor and it's the latter but because of that it's just kind of like i actually want to like watch this dude act more and i don't mind watching him fuck dude he's good he fucking brings it yeah i'm a fan and then this scene wraps up so good and i gotta just say too structurally so much better we have the exposition when he comes into the room And then they have the sex and they kind of stop talking about the case and we get to just enjoy the sex scene and not be having to track the fucking plot. And then immediately when the sex scene is over, we jump right back into the story. Balancing that a little bit better, not trying to do it all at once. Like you get to enjoy both things more successfully. And what they did with that, because that's when I, when I talk about diegetic sex scenes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. And it's like, if you did that more throughout the film, you started off with, with more kind of like... You know, one man, one woman, one woman, one woman, you know, and then start getting into like some group sex, like start getting more like wild and and over the top and more exciting with it and everything. But having it be a part of the story, like having it like feed naturally back into like the progression of the plots, but also like a sex scene that isn't interrupting the plot. It's just enhancing everything else that's going on. And that was pretty much the one and maybe only time that the film successfully pulls that off. Yeah. And this scene wraps up so fucking good, too. First of all, just I just got to say, I love how sweaty they both are. Hot, organic, And another vibe. thing, too, is it you don't realize it the first time you're watching it through, but it comes back around later on in the story, oh, and it has so, some it's stakes. It's so good. It's so good. That's a yeah. great reveal. We will get to that. Yeah, so good. They finish, and then the voiceover narration of him. I gave her my card in case she had any other details about the case. And I'm just like, yes! <laughs> I gave her my load, so, and also my card. It's so good. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> Told her to give me a call if she had any more clues, or, you know, if she wanted to get banged again. Either or both, perhaps. Which, if I'm open. watching a fucking porn about a fucking 40s detective, like, that's the thing I want him to do. He was like, I was trying to get some information, but I got some fucking puss instead, you know? <laughs> like, like that's that's the way you want it to go. That's just part of the vibe, part of the yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. Great scene. And then, once again, fucking Adrian comes into the mix and brings the vibe down. Now Adrian and Dixie Ray are getting down and it is just, again, so performative and shitty and fake looking. I also just don't like her haircut and nothing about this is shot in like a flattering way. Like, yeah, like she's she's going down on Dixie and we just keep getting this weird close up of like the side of her face and it's like a total fat neck situation. Like if I was shot that way, I would be fucking pissed. <laughs> I would be like, we're not releasing this. And it's like, oh, because you didn't want to be like giving head on camera. And I'm like, no, because my fucking neck looks fat. Yeah. Like, please, overhead looking down like that is the angle that you look good doing it. Why yeah. was that not the angle that it was shot at? You and then want another eyebrows, eyes, nose, bush. Like, another that's how you want it. bizarre thing too is that 
we keep cutting back between Adrian's face mid cooch and Dixie's face reacting to it. Yeah. We don't get any zoomed out shots where like they're both in the frame. And this is being set up that like Adrian is like in love with Dixie, that yeah. they are, have like a relationship. And it all just and feels so And there's a way so... to shoot that that scene to communicate that. You it know, doesn't just, feel just like visually. they're a couple at all. Yeah. They don't play off of each other at all. Everything feels like cold. At the end, she like gets up. And I think the fact that they're not, during the sex scene, that they're not in the frame together, looking at each other, reacting to each other, touching each other, they, that they don't like kiss during it at all, which I guess that's a little logistically complicated, but it can be done. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that might, that might legitimately come down to those actresses not like actually having any real life chemistry. Which is you know, challenging. It you is. Know? It is. And and it's just like, I mean, for me, blowjob scenes are your jam. Like, my scenes are like girl-on-girl scenes. I'm into it. And this was like, nothing about it was a turn-on. Yeah. It, and that's hard when you're saying, like, that there's potentially no off-screen chemistry between them. Because it's like... Well, I, not even off-screen, well, just, just the on-screen. Like, but like if, that, but if that was bleeding into it, like if perhaps the two actors didn't like each other or yeah. that they were not attracted to each other, you know, and that's affecting the way that they played the scene. Or maybe just nobody you know? liked fucking Adrian. Yeah, I think that's know? probably what it Juliet. was. Juliet. But that is hard because we've never done this before, you know, so it's we can't say what it's like, obviously. But if you're doing a non-adult film you're playing a couple and like there are so many examples of like two actors who didn't like each other but they're playing a couple or they're playing best friends or whatever and it's like you have to act and make it seem like you do like each other yeah or else the story doesn't make sense and people are gonna be uncomfortable watching it if you're playing a character who is fucking someone and part of the narrative is that i love her and am attracted to her it needs to feel like that I know that, like, actually sleeping with someone and, like, you know, like, there's a different level there than just, you know, just sharing a scene, a dialogue scene or whatever. But it's like, I I don't know. Then, like, maybe that wasn't a good casting choice. I don't feel like that should be an excuse, you know? something that you can't put it completely on her shoulders. Because, again, going back to, you know, I just gave some praise to Spinelli, but, like, that's something where Spinelli should have recognized, like, hey, this is not coming across. And maybe he just didn't realize it until they got into the editing, editing process. And, and she just has like, All right. so many scenes with a lot of different characters. Like, just, she's in this movie. Like, I, Adrian is in the movie more than, like, anyone else. She has yeah. more sex scenes than anyone else. And they're all fucking horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and so she gets up, kisses Dixie. It absolutely feels like just a little, honey, I'm on my way to work. You know, like yeah. they, they don't make out. They we don't do like... this all the time. This is no big deal. It's... That's why it doesn't seem that great. Because fucking... like, we fucking did this like yesterday and the day before that. I'm just a little exhausted from yeah. my spicy life. Uh, and then Nick comes in and all of a sudden the scene gets sexy. They don't fuck in the scene, but like Dixie rolls over, she because puts her kind of towel on. There's sexual tension. tension. And I think that Dixie Ray is like sexier when she's not having sex. Mm-hmm. Like when she's mm-hmm. flirting and vibing, like she's so hot. And then when she's doing like a mediocre sex scene with like a shitty scene partner, it's like not hot at all. Yeah. Well, like like going back to earlier in the story, like when they're walking down the beach and she's sitting there, he's like, oh. You're not wearing panties here. And she's like, I never wear panties. And he's like, even right now? And she's like, not even now. (laughs) 
it's sexy until the point to where she pulls up her her skirt to show that she's not wearing panties right now. Oh, okay. Like my arousal went from like seven down to like three at that point. And it was not just because. The bush. Well, it's just like the whole like act of like I'm just gonna pull this up. Like there's nothing. Se- it goes back to like what we talked about before. Like just being totally naked isn't as sexy as being partially clothed. Definitely agree. Yeah. Um, so, like, when Dixie Ray is, like, partially clothed, when she's threatening you with a good time, that's when it's hot. When she's actually, like, trying to give you a good time, then it drops off. It's weird. It's such a strange dynamic. It is. And this scene does start getting a little more fresh, though, because she ends up blowing him towards the yeah. end of the scene. And this is actually kind of good, um, because they are really hard playing with the power in the scene as always between these two which I just always love in any film and she's blowing him and he's like smirking looking down you know and like you know he feels like a big shot but she is bringing the power too like she's not gonna let that dynamic play on and he's like trying to get her to talk dirty he's like yeah tell me you love my cock you know and she says it she's like Dixie Ray loves to suck cock. And, like, he's totally doing it as, like, a power trip. But she looks fucking cool saying it. Like, I'm like, one, I believe you. Two, (laughs) you look pretty good at it, you know? And three, like, she's like, oh, you want me to say it? Well, here you fucking go. What do you think of that? And, like, they are so evenly matched. Like, nobody can, like, get on top. And it's just, like, so compelling. And I just want to keep seeing where this goes. And then this is where we get a good fucking reveal. That chick from the hotel room pops in. And it's like, what? Who's this chick? Dixie Ray's daughter? (gasps) What? Turns out, Dixie Ray's daughter is banging her stepfather. And that nobody knows this except Nick. Yeah. And the two of them have, like, a confrontation in the hallway. And it's so fucking good. Because, like, he's trying to, like, roast her about it. But she's kind of like, you're a fucking dirtbag too, bruh. Like, what you gonna say to me? (laughs) And it's like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, you don't know what the dynamic is. And that's something that I really love about this movie. Like, they do such a good job revealing information, setting up twists. And such a good job, too. Sometimes, like, you want to hear characters, like, explain themselves. And then they just don't. It doesn't feel like they're, like, dropping the ball here. It feels like, I don't owe you an explanation. And then in the audience, we're like, oh, but I want to know. Like, and it's good. It's fucking good. It's a little thing we like to call intrigue. Yeah, I am very intrigued. Yeah. And it's, yeah, great And, like, the, the dynamic between, like, intrigue and arousal. Dude, again, like, that's the thing. Like, I want to fucking remake this because I see exactly how this could be the hottest fucking thing that anybody's ever watched. And people can watch it and jerk off to it and then be like, I want to see where this plot goes and keep fucking watching it. Yeah. I feel like every time I watch it, I like catch more with the plot or like I see them like setting things up for future scenes and it just gets me like more and more into it every time. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking great. And so then the next scene is um, we get the secretary back again and we get a little more twist of what's going on with Dixie and these photos and all of this some mobsters come and like beat the shit out of Nick 
and then they're well, looking and, for the photo. And I want to talk about I want to talk about the scene where they are in Nick's office because I feel like that's another one where they really could have maximized on the potential of it because they gave so much screen time and so much dialogue and everything to Adrian and it's like take some of that away from her, give it to the secretary character mm-hmm. because she's great. And the whole scene where she's in Nick's office and like she's like kind of drunk and you know these gangsters show up and they have bad intentions for Nick and everything and Nick is like I got to get my secretary out of here because one I want to protect her and and two because like you know it's going to complicate my ability to get away from these fucking guys with her here and I feel like that was a great opportunity it's a fucking porn you're making a fucking porn yeah she should have very those least. Gangsters. Like, yeah, like she should have the banged the, the, the gangsters or she should have, like, before he could get rid of her, she could have been like, oh, like, why don't all of you guys, like, fuck me? My husband's not back yet. Like, we could all have, like, a good time, you know? And proposition them and just have, like, this whole awkward thing of the gangsters are considering it and Nick's like, is this going to help me? Or is this I mean, that would be really difficult? funny. That would be really like, good. Like, like, that's the thing is not just the sex scenes, but also, like, the farce and the absurdity and everything of, of shit that's happening. Yeah, okay, like, I was That's totally... where they needed to fucking run with it. And it was so constrained. And the constraints are coming from, you know, Spinelli and, and what they're doing with the story. Yeah, like, we got to get to point A to point B to point... Because there's so... It's such a complicated plot. It's like, we got to check off all yeah, these Yeah, and it's just like, no, have fun with it. Like, have, have a plot. Like, there's this thing going on, but what everybody's here for is the characters and the sex and just how much fun everybody's having. Okay, that I actually love, and it's something that I've thought about, like, playing with in potential future projects, you know? I love love the idea. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I love the idea of, like, you know, you're doing a porno. There are sex scenes. A sex scene could break out at any moment, but it's like, when do you have them in? When do you have, like, a low-key sex scene that's maybe not explicit, you know? Where it is, like, they just get to the bed and close the door and then cut to the next thing you know because like i don't know if every sex scene necessarily warrants an intense explicit five minute full scene that is so funny like the idea of like oh my god is it gonna be an orgy and then like it isn't like yeah playing with like when and where do we put in a sex scene you Dude, know? the best like, filmmakers really play around with audience expectations. Mm-hmm. They give you the things that you know are going to happen, but they also like hold back and tease the things that you expect to happen, and they don't. And then when you least expect it, that's when shit happens. And like that's what's so frustrating, because the whole thing with Dixie Ray's daughter... That was not a twist I was expecting to happen. Yeah. And it's just something that happens in the middle of the fucking film. And it's so good. And then it comes back around at the end of the film. And it's just like, yeah, do that more throughout. Make it unexpected. And at the same time, like, play with what my expectations are. Yeah, absolutely. And they did it a little bit, but not enough. And... It's like the blowjob to where you're just like, yeah, yeah, keep doing that, keep doing that. And then they just stop and you're just like, oh, I guess I'm finished now. (laughs) I guess I'll just save this for later. It wasn't a bad blowjob, but... (laughs) Yeah, drop the ball there. And so then Nick has, like, gotten his ass kicked and he, like, goes to the mob boss to be like, bro, what the fuck was that? Classic noir scene. But also this club that they're at, like, is not very vibey. It's, like, no, the middle and, of the day. <laughs> it's like... Well, and that's another thing, too. Like, you barely see anything in the club scene. And, like, 
Dude, Who Framed Roger Rabbit fucking killed this movie when it comes to showing a swanky, sexy-ass nightclub scene. You know, with the whole performance and everything. And again, it's just like not maximizing on the potential of the genre, of the settings that you're using. Yeah, so I and watched... instead, like, he just like literally like skips through the club, goes directly into the most boring part of the fucking nightclub. The, the manager's office. office. <laughs> and it's just like, man, fuck you, dude. Like, are you punishing me with this shit? Come on! I know, and, like, I, I can't even say, like, you know, I feel like first year you would be like, oh, like, it was a budget thing. Like, they couldn't set up, like, a whole nightclub or whatever. But it's like, they have, like, quite a bit of shit that they're walking through. Like, they just pulled up in, like, fucking eight different, like, Model T's. <laughs> like, they have... Yeah, and I can tell you, I can tell you, like right now in 2022, you can still go to LA and you can find a fucking ballroom that will work as a 1940s nightclub and shoot an entire fucking scene. I know for a fucking fact that you can do this. So, like, why didn't you do this fucking 40 years ago, bro? Come on. So he's talking to the boss and he's like, "Yo, like, why did your guys just kick my ass?" And he's like. That didn't happen, and the two guys are like standing right there. And he's like, <laughs> "It's the same two fucking guys." He's like, "Really? I feel like it did." And he's like, "Well, I don't know anything about that." And he's like, "Okay, well, like, well, can it not like, happen again, please?" He punches one of them in the gut, and he's like, "What was that for?" And he's like, "I owed him one." <laughs> and they're like, "Touche," which I thought was kind of a yeah, clever little scene. Good. That was like, kind of good. Like that. There's these like fucking like nice little moments these like flashes of like brilliance and you're just like more of that give me more and then there's like this hot chick in there sherry who like i think is the hottest chick in the movie i really liked her yeah okay so here's my note on sherry i don't know if this movie should have been all about the perspective of sherry but i would love to fucking see an x-rated movie about a character just like her some girl who's the hottest girl to come from her shitty Midwestern town. She goes to L.A. thinking like, oh, I'm the biggest deal in my town. I'm going to go out to L.A. I'm going to become a big star. Fucking the whole world's going to hear about me. She goes out there, finds out there's fucking 10,000 girls exactly like her there already. And ends up working in this fucking nightclub, getting pimped out by the fucking owner and shit like that. And, like, showing a movie from her her perspective as she works her way up from just, like, another fucking woman to be exploited to, like, a force. Okay, I love... First of all, great movie. I absolutely would love to see that. Secondly, I love that none of that is in... Dixie Ray, no, and you just wrote your all. own movie while you were watching it. Like you're just like, I feel like this is her backstory. Like, <laughs> like in, I in love the two that. minutes of her screen time in this scene that we're talking about. I was just like, I pictured this entire fucking movie, and I was like, it'd be the hottest fucking movie ever, and it'd be powerful and everything else like that. And that now, is a testament to her to, performance. Yeah, she was back that to watching Dixie Ray. The other note I have is uh, fucking the club owner um, Lamar going like, "Come over here and show Nick your ass." And, like, good-looking woman. Good, you can tell. She's a good-looking woman. She's got a great body. They give her the least flattering ass shot I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> Some of these shots in this movie, it's like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, Because I was just like, is that even the same fucking actress's ass? It like, was a body double. <laughs> my ass is better looking than that ass. Like, come on. 
throw some fucking stockings on me. Let me pull up my skirt. Like, you'd be like, hmm, that's a nice ass. I'm like, thanks, I shaved. You're like, crop it. That's right. <laughs> Anyone's ass can look right at the right angle. The lighting was bad. Like, it, it just made it look, like, flat. And, like, it was just sad. It was... It was, I, I had a sad boner. Once again, if you're her watching this, why the fuck is it shot like this? I would be pissed. I Dude. would be like, I've been doing squats for the last month getting ready for this scene and you just shot it like that? Like It's so bizarre the way Spinelli will go from like fucking teaching a master class on how to make erotic film. He and really does he'll have throw a range. shot out like that and you're just like, okay, yeah, this is the bad end of the range. Like... <laughs> Oh, God. And so this fucking rando useless scene. Oh, a little good twist of information. They're like, oh, I know you're selling the pictures because Dixie Ray owes you money. And he's like, Dixie Ray paid off her debt. I don't know what you're talking about. But also look at this hot chick. So it's like for a second we're like, ooh, what? And then it's like, oh, something else is going on. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which is good. Little teasing the info. They when they when they sneak out the information, it's fucking great. And there's some good moments of that. And so then the mobster is like, Nick, sorry, you got your ass kicked. Like, do you want some coos to make it better? And he's like, Yeah, why don't we send all right. and check girl I over guess, to your place? I guess and Nick's that like, would yeah. be cool. Yeah, send them over to my place, bro. <laughs> yeah, whatever. And then here comes and then the, they do. the absolute hottest scene in the fucking movie. Nick's yeah. like at his house and he's like cleaning his gun like a fucking man. <laughs> <laughs> he, gets, <laughs> he gets a knock on the door. And it's Sherry, and she's like, oh, hey, babe, what's up? Like, ready to fuck? And then, like, her friend is there, like, oh, okay, Sherry, so, like, who's this guy? And, like, why does he have a gun? Like, what's going on yeah, here? Yeah, like, like, that part, the first time I watched it, I absolutely love that. Because Nick comes to the door, and this is where the first thoughts of, like, make a movie about Sherry. Mm-hmm. Sherry's seen some shit and, like, very quickly learned how to deal with it. Because you have this contrast of, like, Sherry's all, like, she's giggling and bubbly and she's playing the part. And the coat check girl is freaked the fuck out. She's ready to fucking, like, you could literally see Sherry grabbing the coat check girl's arm and being like, we're over here to show you a good time, Nick. And the coat check girl's like, I want to go home. I'm going to die. You're having a great time, right? (laughs) Because Nick, like, Nick's paranoid as fuck and he answers the door with his gun (laughs) And, like, they come in, and they have this, like, they have this really hot threesome. Oh, my God. The three-way is so good. Because, of course, guess what's in it? Power in the scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Power in the scene. Power in the scene. Power know, in the scene. Power I know. In the scene. It sounds like I'm, like, overusing it and, like, just saying it because it's a catchphrase. But, honestly, it is so fucking relevant to all of these scenes. And, like, yeah. I love, like, figuring out, like, what are the dynamics of, like, two characters. Yeah. And, like, how is that manifesting sexually? And nothing is more raw when it comes to, like, dynamics between individuals than like sexual tension and like the dynamic between like who wants to fuck versus who's going to let someone fuck and like that's where like a lot of these movies become really interesting is when you start to look at like okay 
obviously there's like a lot of desire there, but is it a desire that goes both ways? Does it run one way? Like, is it being reciprocated? What's the like, subtext what in all there? these dynamics, all these interactions? Yeah. Yeah, so he's banging Sherry. And the other girl's, like, sitting there watching. But, like, the whole time... And she's all kind of tense and nervous. But you could tell she's all fired up. And, and like, there's stockings Nick, and garters, the whole Betty Page thing going. Beautiful. Yeah. Great looks. Nick is just staring at her the whole time with, like, this, like, smirk and this, like, very, like, dominant, like, powerful, like, super intense intense eye contact and like sherry is just getting so into it having so much fun which i also love because her performance is so organic like there are like moments where she's like giggling and has this kind of like weird laugh but it's that just feels like you know it's not like she's doing like a yeah yeah you know like she's just like this is fucking good she, it's, you know? it's, like, it's performative but it's also like organic in a way that you understand that like this is a woman who loves having sex. And I think she loves, like, the thrill of all these... Now I'm coming up with the Sherry backstory. <laughs> like, I think she goes think, off on, like, the power and the, like, craziness of the, like, mob shit and, like, the violence and the drama. And, like, yeah. I think Nick having his gun out was, like, all sexy for her, you know? I, I think that's the other thing about it. The, the reason why I started, like, creating this whole fucking movie based around her character is because you get the sense that she came from this environment where, like, none of this was permitted. Yeah, and now And, like, secretly, secretly, it's what she desired. And at some point she like found this and was just like, wait, this is what like fuck acting, fuck being a star. This is what I've wanted my whole life. And now I can have it as much as I fucking want. I love that for her. And she's not a fucking pawn. Like she is somebody that like is honestly in control of her own destiny. I'll let you think you're in charge, but I actually do what I want fucking love that and that's what makes the fucking scene so fucking off and that just, and the other yeah. thing of like i don't know for some reason the coat check girls like like whole reluctance of like she's like scared of the whole thing but like she secretly super is like intrigued. super turned on yeah it's like, cool yeah. that like the two girls have like such kind of different relationships to this scenario yeah you know but then like end up on the same page together and then also like like this is a scene where spinelli like frames it really well and like it, yeah it's unlike hot good looking scene and like the choreography is fucking great yes. like so he's banging sherry she's getting all into it the other chick's watching at some point he kind of brings her over he makes her beg for it which mm. love that <laughs> love yes. that and then he pulls out of sherry so that this chick can start blowing him and she's like, yeah, get it extra hard for me. Like, now the three of them are all, like, interacting, which is rad. And then, you know, it's he's alternating between, like, mouth and coos. And then they're kind of, like, kissing each other. And everybody's kind of vibing. And, like, it's just fucking amazing. And then, finally, it's like, you know, like, all right, we're going to, like, let's get this girl in on it, you know? And so, coat check girl is getting plowed. And she's, like... Like, they're all three, like, on top of each other. Like, Sherry's, like, laying on her back. Kotek girl's on top of her. They're, like, making out and feeling each other up and whatever. And then Nick is, like, behind, like, doing the plowing. Yeah. And, like, it is just fucking squad goals. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, it's, it's one of the, like, like, that's the thing is, like, watching these movies, you know, you get used to contemporary porn and... You get into this mindset of like, okay, everything is specialized to the point to where it's like, if there's something particular that I'm looking for, it'll take like five minutes of searching and I'll find exactly what I want. 
So, like, when I watch these movies and a scene comes up and I'm like, I could fucking get off to this. It's a less common occurrence than you would think. This was, of all the scenes so far that have qualified for that, this was probably the number one scene to where it's just I like, I did jerk oh, off yeah. after this scene. <laughs> <laughs> and I normally don't. I honestly, like, never jerk off watching porn because I like to watch it. I like to pay attention to it. And then, like, maybe, like, an hour later, I'll be, like, reminiscing. And I'll be like, <laughs> you know? But this movie, I was like kind of half asleep and I'm like all right I'm gonna take care of business I'll sleep through the next scene I don't care like, <laughs> like yeah no this scene like good I'll watch it and I'll just be like oh man I gotta fucking like I gotta just bite my lip and like just power through it like because, I'm like, taking notes because like the other thing about it project. is like for some reason like when I can kind of tell that like an actor in the scene whether or not they're actually getting off if they're able to accurately portray that they're getting off even if the actor like the performance is saying like I don't want to get off but I can't help it I'm getting off oh my god I'm getting like, yeah, like that shit is hot that's as fuck and that's exactly what's going on yeah. like coat check girl like fucking tries to hold back can't fucking help it fucking splooges dude you know, it's like, like oh I mean I do feel like people should watch this movie but if not like just watch this scene yeah like yeah. it's a good like, scene like fast forward into like this is like 75 minutes uh, yeah this or is like towards like the end yeah this and the scene with the daughter and everything like that like yeah, yeah those there's, are there is some good stuff in this movie yeah there's some good sex in this yeah there is which makes everything else so fucking frustrating but then here we have another scene right after this great phenomenal sex scene is a really good narrative scene so nick gets a phone call from dixie ray's ex-husband and it turns out that nick has been just like bullshitted the whole time and you know because they've all been operating under the assumption that like this guy is the one who's been blackmailing her he has the picture all of this you know he's like bro like i broke up with dixie a while ago because that bitch was out of control like she was the one going to orgies not me like she probably took that picture of herself like i was like this chick is out of control he says something about like her like debaucherous hollywood lifestyle and i'm like show us yeah you're like, show oh, what, us what debaucherous it. hollywood lifestyle i haven't seen that i'm not familiar with that i'm sorry i thought i was watching an adult sex film you're gonna tell me and not show me what the fuck <laughs> Like, that's another note that I put down is the phone conversation with Charles Barclay. And it threw me off because the first couple of times I watched it, I heard it as Charles Barkley. <laughs> the fucking NBA great. Yeah, that's who it was. And, like, between that and Sex World, where they keep talking about Jerry Rice, I'm just like, God damn it, my fucking sports nerddom is, like, distracting me. <laughs> and so... The phone conversation literally slams the brake on this movie. Because, like, mm-hmm. it reaches a height with that sex scene. And then fucking immediately it's like, well, I got to get back to the plot now. So get out of here, you two no, broads. No, no, I thought this was good. Like, I thought this was a great scene. Because, like, this character is so interesting. Like, this is another, like, big twist. And this is just like a, literally like a one-minute phone call. Um, I wanted them to interact in person. I know. This guy was really good. I I do kind of wish we would have seen more of him. But again, it's like one of those things like leaves you wanting more. Like I'm like, ooh, who is this guy? Like what's his deal? Like I'm interested. Well, you're not really going to find out. He says though, he's like, okay, he says, you know, when he's talking about Dixie being so debaucherous and Nick is like, but fucking your own stepdaughter is like totally chill, Mm. you know? And then the guy says, I don't have to justify myself to you. That's a very personal matter. 
But just his delivery is just like, I'm like, I want to know that story. Like, yeah. now I want, like, a scene of, like, him and the daughter, like, getting together. Like, what's, how did that happen? Like, because I get the impression, and obviously, real talk, like, that is a very problematic situation. But yeah, it's but... the stepdaughter. No, either way, it's fucking gross, you know. Oh, not... yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but the Anytime way... you're 20 years older than someone you're you're hooking up with, like, yeah, it gets And we don't know how long he was with Dixie. We don't know how young this girl was when they met. Real, real situation, like, very fucked up. Yeah. But the way that this film is framing it, the information that we are given from several different characters they're very much and and i think it's such a strong choice that we don't see that relationship unfold like the two of them never have a scene together no you know but just from both of them we hear like a bro i don't need to explain this to you like you're not gonna fucking get it so to me like i'm kind of interested I'm intrigued by this dynamic. I'm intrigued by these characters. And I kind of like that they don't... In a modern porno, it would be like, how hot is it how just dirty this fucking is? Like, isn't this situation just fucking foul? Like, let's yeah. watch it in great Well, and detail. it's interesting, too, because the dialogue that each individual character... Because, again, they don't share a scene. But the daughter and the stepfather, the dialogue that they, they express is like, look, we have something together that you wouldn't understand, but at the same time, like what they show us is that she has a drug problem. And that is most likely like what the glue that keeps this relationship together. Because if she was completely sober, there's probably a pretty good chance she would not be fucking her stepfather. Yeah, I that again could be its own whole movie, but I actually think it's very. Which cool. again, like, like it's like, look, like, what do you want to show us in this movie? Do you want to show us like glamorous stuff? Do you want to show us like seedy underbelly stuff? Like, I vote seedy what underbelly. Let's yeah. have that. I like that. And I feel like that's what the movie keeps trying to lean into, but it never leans all the way into it. Do you not have the balls to show us a sex scene between this older man and this younger, kind of fucked up, I, damaged young woman? I almost kind of feel like it's like a level of like restraint on Spinelli's part because both characters say, we don't owe you an explanation. And yeah. Spinelli is kind of saying to the audience, like, we don't owe you a fucking cum shot. But the difference is, is when they say we don't owe you an explanation, that feels to me like an excuse of like, look, we don't want to address the personal issues that we have that have brought us together. Whereas the film is trying to make it seem like it's just like more sort of, there's like some actual like true love there. And it's just like, there's no fucking way. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I kind of feel like that whole dynamic sense, we don't see a lot of it. And a lot of these characters are unreliable narrators. It's like, it's kind of open to interpretation, which kind of interesting. Realistically, like, you know, Dixie Ray was using Charles Barclay. And Charles Barclay is exploiting Dixie Ray's daughter. And it's like this, like, cycle of, like, abuse and exploitation and everything that's going on. And it's this vortex that uh, Nick Papadopoulos has gotten dragged into unwittingly. Yeah. Yeah, fucking run with that because that is interesting. It is dirty and it's grimy and it's seedy and everything else like that. And it's like, 
that's what your movie should be about. Yeah, I think this film would have really benefited with a darker tone. Yeah. Like, either go hard with film noir, spoof, silly, funny, playing with porn tropes, you know, which I don't think that would have been as, like, great of a film, but I think it would have been an entertaining film. But I think really, like, these characters are fucking interesting and these dynamics are wild. Really digging deep into that, I think, would have been, honestly, like, a phenomenal film. Because another thing I'll say is, going back to talking about Chinatown, if you had seen Chinatown then all of a sudden this this whole like subplot that's going on you would understand sort of what is inspiring it okay fuck I'm gonna have to watch it I no watch it's it. a fucking great movie yeah <laughs> so then here's where things start to kind of wrap up like the mystery has finally been revealed Nick goes to the oh, hotel. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. Oh, yeah, okay. okay, okay, so you're getting into it. Yeah, so Nick goes to the hotel to talk to Charles, because he says, he's like, we need to talk about this in person. Like, there is a lot to unpack here. Yeah. And Nick's like, okay. He shows up, Charles is fucking dead. Which, in my opinion, this is where the movie should have started. Well, not there, but he goes to the hotel. He doesn't want to get seen at the front desk, mm-hmm. so he goes in through the window, sees that Charles is in bed. Tries to wake him up, and when he shakes him, realizes that he's been shot. Then he gets knocked out, and him waking up on the floor in the in the hotel room with Charles Barclay dead in the bed, and the gun that was used to murder him laying by his side, that's where the fucking movie should have started. Oh, that would have been good. Yes. Start there, then having him talk to Cameron Mitchell and his partner... And relaying everything that happened, tell the story that way. I think that I like that a fucking, lot better. Like, yeah, that would have that would have drawn you in, especially because what they're kind of trying to set up at the actual beginning of the film is like, oh, like there's a body in his office. It's Adrian, yeah. you know. But it's like the cops like don't really give a shit. They're like, mm, she's kind of hot. Like it doesn't seem like they're gonna take they're like, that. Did you fuck this broad. Was she good? Nah, she's all right. Eh, get her the fuck out of here. <laughs> like it doesn't seem like they're that concerned about like oh is there a cover-up is there they're just like yeah i believe you that she was just being a bitch and like yeah. you know which could be fucking guy, lying he like, could have been lying yeah problematic <laughs> you know but if it started here it would be like oh a wealthy powerful man you've got wrapped up in this whole scandal now you're canoodling with his wife that is way more damaging potentially for Nick, and you know? his mistress which is the wife's daughter. So it's just a whole messy sitch that Nick has found himself in. And that ends up to be, that's the reveal, is that that was Dixie Ray's plan all along. Her husband has all this money. If he winds up dead, she's going to inherit it. She's broke. She's been selling her own pictures, trying to get publicity. She wants to be a star. She wants to keep having this glamorous lifestyle. And it just ain't like that now. So her plan was to bring in a random private eye, get him all up in the mix, kill the husband and leave the detective's gun at the scene to frame him. But Nick is on to this shit. He gets knocked out, but he like wakes back up. He runs to his car. And then this is a really good scene. I really like this part. He's like putting the pieces together in his head. And it's like a flashback of like all the different kind of scenes in the movie. And he's like voiceover as he's like figuring it out. And he's like, damn, they were distracting me with pussy the whole time. <laughs> and like now all of a sudden, like every random sex scene in this movie, it's like, oh, that was part of their evil plan. <laughs> like, pussy and blowjobs. And he just does what about it, like, secretary though? Was that part of the plan? Unrelated, unrelated. That was a little side project. <laughs> yeah, it was just some, 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 some extra pussy. 
And it's just, his, like, voiceover is just so, like, dramatic. It's, like, it's just, like, black and white. And, like, it's just fucking funny. And so now here's the actual best scene in the movie. I'm going to lose my shit. I'm so excited. Okay, so he shows up at Dixie Ray's house. He's like, bitch, I figured you out. Like, you're going down. Dixie Ray comes out in this robe. She has this, like, Mm. long, floor-length, feathery robe. And she's like... The first time I watched this, I was like, this is why you like this movie. This This. is why I like it. (laughs) Fucking Blanche comes out in her tiara, and she's like, Nick, you don't know anything about me. And she's all drunk and, like, sloppy and glamorous, and I'm just like, fuck. (laughs) I love this so much. (laughs) And then... It's so vampy. It's oh, perfect. Like, like it is perfectly vampy. And it, where was this energy throughout the rest of this fucking I movie? Because this is the peak. It's so good. Oh my god. And so Nick calls her out, exposes the whole plan, and she's like, Nick, please. I don't give a shit. Like you really think that. I am going to go to jail. Like, I'm going to show up in court and be like, oh, poor me. And then everybody's going to love me. And then, like, you're going to fucking go down. And he's like, oh, really? Because not everybody loves you, Dixie. You know who doesn't love you? Bum, bum, bum. Your daughter? What? And then she comes in. You fucking killed him, you bitch! You know, and the two of them are like, you know, having like a brawl, and it's like, ooh, and Nick's just like sitting there with his popcorn, like fucking cat fight. Like, Should I say it or do you want to say it? You say it, say it. He was fucking my daughter! <laughs> yes! <laughs> like, I saw that and I was like, yes! Go off! And then he's like, oh my god, and he's like, she, she, the daughter's like, I loved him. And she's like, oh, you couldn't love him. He couldn't even get it up. Well, he could get it up for me. What a reaction to that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then Dixie is like, <laughs> he's like, she's like, that's impossible. And she's screeching hysterical. She's like, that's impossible. I'm three times the woman you'll ever be. <laughs> And then Nick is just Dixie, like, you are a hot mess. Fucking look at yourself. You're going to jail, bitch. I'm out. And then as he's leaving, the best part of the movie, nobody walks out on Dixie Ray! Audio's like fading out, and Nick's like, I'm out of here. Oh my god. He's like, got his hands in his pockets, and he's like, Yeah, I showed that fucking cocky bitch, you know? And it's like, Literally. I do want to go back to, like, so in the middle of that, I can't remember if he shows up and the nightclub owner, the mob boss, is already there. I think Nick brings the mobster with him. Yes, yes, that's what happened. The mob boss sits there and says to Dixie Ray, I told you. Out of anybody you could fucking hire, don't hire the Greek. Don't hire Nick Papadopoulos. And she's like, 
Shut the fuck up. What do you know, you fucking cocksucker? That's right. He sucks cock. Oh, and it's like such an unnecessary detail. Yeah, it's so bitchy and it's like perfect for her character. But I also feel like they should have utilized that earlier in the scene when he goes in to see him and he's like, yeah, a couple of your thugs roughed me up a little bit. And that's when he should have hinted at the fact that he's like, well, hey. If you want, I could make you feel a little bit better. What do you mean? Ooh, you know? Nick playing like, the oh, fucking well, dude, too? If, if that doesn't entice you, then maybe you want to fucking, like, Sherry, show him your ass. And then it's like... <laughs> <you know? laughs> but it was kind of interesting, because, like, when she says it, they cut back to the mob boss, and he makes his face kind of like... Yeah, I guess I like dick. <laughs> he like, didn't feel like this was <laughs> like sheepish. He's Maybe like, this wasn't like, the place to say it, but yeah. yeah there's other like, stuff going on here. You know, hands down, probably gives a better blowjob than fucking Adrian. Oh my god, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. at least he's fucking into it. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Best scene in the whole fucking yeah. movie. At Again, least that's the fucking go, thing. Everybody needs to go watch that scene. Like, yeah. It's so good. Like, literally, the acting and the drama, like, the reaction that we just had, it's like, I've seen this movie, like, a lot at this point. I want to go back and I want to put it on right now just that to watch that scene. That is my reaction to the scene. Like, it literally <laughs> feels like a fucking Tennessee Williams play, and I am just eating it up. Yeah. I love it so much, and I wish that there would have been fucking with that level of intensity. Well, here's another weird thing that it does. When he's putting the pieces together and driving over to her place, it keeps randomly jump-cutting to this sex scene with actors that we haven't even seen before. Yeah, that is an odd choice. That's kind of how the movie wraps up. So now is literally like the final scene in the movie. Nick is in his office. Like we've kind of cut back to the opening, opening scene. Back little, to our little boy bookend options here. And he's telling them the whole story. And the detective is basically just like, hey, Nick, Dixie Ray is right. She's going to get a good lawyer. She's going to frame the narrative a certain way. And she's going to be fucking fine. Like there's no justice in this world. And then this is another interesting little just peppering in more character information which I fucking love. Nick says something about, you know, like in my neighborhood, the families would get justice. He totally has like mob connections. Yeah. And it's like, I wish that they would have maybe played with that even more. Because when he's talking to the mob boss, like earlier in the movie, I'm like, oh, he knows him because Nick is like a private eye who like is kind of just around shady people in these sort of circles, you know? So I'm like, they just know each other because they cross paths a lot, you know? But then hearing that line, I'm like, okay, maybe there's, more to this you know and like so that was super interesting and then they just kind of go into this whole just kind of exploration of like justice and morality and he says like nick you're not going to change the world your problem is that you just believe the stuff in the movies that the good guys always win and then nick is like isn't that why we're fighting this war and it's like (laughs) oh social commentary and then he's like i don't know man and then, and then this was so interesting, too, because it's, like, something that wasn't really touched on at all. I mean, they briefly mentioned the war, like, existing because the secretary's husband was getting drafted and that was going on, you know. Yeah. But then he says something. He's like, yeah, I heard that we took uh, the Black Canal. I wish I was with them. And then this other cop is like, yeah, me too. Well, I'll see you at the movies, Nick. That Nick, like, doesn't maybe want to be as much of a, like, morally corrupt person as he is. Why isn't Nick in the war? And why does he want that? Does he actually want that? Or does he just crave, like, a certain 
idea of like right and wrong that's more like clear cut like I, I don't know like it just opens so many questions with those lines and it's just such a powerful way to end the film I'm not gonna say that it comes completely out of left field we go so many places on this whole journey and then they really have this like grounded ending to it that the like ending is so good yeah oh God, that's one of the best scenes I think yeah. And again, when Cameron Mitchell wanted to fucking bring it, that dude fucking brought it. He was... Here's the thing about Cameron Mitchell. You could tell when he was into it, if he was standing and moving around in the scene. If he's sitting in a chair, if he's got sunglasses on and a hat on, you are not getting optimum Cameron Mitchell. But he was standing up, fucking no sunglasses, clear-eyed, clear speech. And it's great. Like... That's the fucking thing is like it's it's mind blowing to sit here and watch an adult film and just see like good writing, good acting, good uh, directing, all of that shit going on. And you're just like, okay, yeah, fuck what anybody else says. This is an art form. This is absolutely an art form. It it, it just sucks that it's just like they didn't maximize on all the potential that they had because every time that they did, it was so great. And every time that they didn't. It reminded you that, not that you're not watching a real movie, but you're not watching an award-winning movie. Yeah, this film really, it I feel like it had that potential there. Yeah. And the reason why I don't hate this movie because of that, like, because when we talked about Devil and Miss Jones, like, the fact that it does so many things right, but does so many things wrong, was really frustrating to me. But my problem with that film was that I feel like the things that didn't work there was a certain amount of like laziness going on. I don't think that this film is being lazy. I think that no, they're trying everybody worked their really ass off. fucking hard. And so for me, like even though there are maybe certain scenes that I don't, I don't care for, certain performers I don't like, you know, there are things that I feel like this movie could have done better. I still really, really like this movie. I have just nothing but respect for Spinelli and the yeah. main cast and like you know minus that one particular actor i mean like, <laughs> like that's the thing about spinelli like you said he has the range but also like he is incredibly frustrating i don't know if it's a lack of focus if it's a lack of resources if it's a lack of time he comes so close to fucking undeniable greatness what i think it like, was right on the verge of it i really do think it was an acting problem I really think, I don't know, I feel like a dick saying this, but I really feel like the chick playing Adrian, like, took the movie down several pegs. But that's a decision where, like, you as the director, and especially if he has any insight into the editing process, he could sit there and, like, he could call for reshoots, he could cut out scenes. He is the one who made the choice to give her all of the screen time that he did. Again, because the first scene focuses on what happens to her character, and because she becomes such a central focus of the movie, you cannot blame it entirely on the actress, because you put her in that position. And if she did not have the fucking gravitas if she did not have the ability to bring across the vision that you as the director had you need to fix that yeah i really feel like they could have almost completely cut that character yeah i don't feel like she was even putting aside my opinion about her performance i don't think narratively she was that essential if anything the daughter should have had more scenes yeah. You know, Adrian has no, essentially she was so much more nothing dynamic. to she was do so much with more the plot, you know? Yeah. 
Like, okay, she's Dixie Ray's girlfriend. Like, so what? Like, Dixie Ray's ex-husband has one scene. Dixie Ray's daughter has two scenes. All these other characters that are directly involved with the action I mean, Sherry are not has in it two as much. Scenes. Yeah. And Sherry's way more interesting, way hotter. Everything, Adrian pops off the screen. The daughter pops off the screen. Whereas Adrian, you're like, oh, it's a drag on the whole thing. Yeah, and all her scenes feel so long and just... Yeah, I think they should have just majorly fucking cut that character. Yeah. Regardless, though, I still recommend watch this at least once. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, like, if you if you are at least into detective noir films, you'll have fun with this. It's, it's a good time. And if you're into, like, stuff that's vampy and campy and over-the-top and just ridiculous, Dixie Ray is such a fucking great character. Dixie Ray and Nick Papadopoulos are awesome characters. And if you sit there and just like watch the movie and then just start imagining telling the story of the secretary, telling the story of Sherry, telling the story of the romance between the stepfather and the daughter. That's one of the things about it. I think this is part of the reason why you and I are so frustrated with it is it's because it's clear that, you know, Spinelli like envisioned this whole entire super interesting tapestry that was the backstory of this movie. And we get glimpses of it, but we never yeah. see the entire thing. And that's really what we want to see. Yeah. So. But you know what? The things that this movie does right, it does so fucking right. Yeah. And it is still very much worth the watch. I mean, just for the last five minutes of the movie, it's worth watching. Yeah, if you're not going to watch the movie, like, just watch that scene. Watch the threesome, watch that scene, and you'll be, you'll be satisfied. Yeah. And you'll save a bunch of time. No, watch the movie. Watch the movie. <laughs> no, definitely. But if you're pressed for time, just watch that. Watch the end. And then, like, later on, when you've got more time yeah, in your then schedule... Yeah, then you'll be enticed by the finale. Like, then you'll be like, oh, maybe I should go back and watch Maybe I'll cut out the first, like, ten minutes of the movie and, like, not deal with that. Although, you're going to miss out on maybe scenes just, with Cameron maybe Mitchell. Maybe I'll just fast-forward the sex scenes and just watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Except for that threesome, bro. You don't want to miss it. Do not miss that. <laughs> All right, so you want to get into plug time? Let's do it. Because I have not been doing this. I have been lacking and shirking my duties here. You guys, you got to like, follow, and subscribe. (laughs) I got to say that. To? To. Oh, God. I'm like, see, look, I can't even do it right now, but I'm intentionally (laughs) trying to do it. Okay. Instagram.com slash vibe talking. No G. We have Instagram. We have Twitter. Mm -hmm. We now have a TikTok. TikTok is just good vibe cinema. Instagram and Twitter are also good vibe cinema and vibe talking. We yes. got options. Good vibe cinema, bring in the vibes, bring in the content. Obviously, great vibe talking content. We also got a couple short films in the works right now, which are fun, exciting, and as always, inspired by these sort of vibes. So check that out. Uh, Tell us a little bit about them. Yeah, okay. So we've got, you know, we got the ones that we've already got up there coming soon. A fake trailer shot on real film, which is a trailer for a fictional 70s porno shot on Super 8. We have another short film starring Manny called Big Feet about Bigfoot getting caught in a sex scandal and having a small dick and it just ruins his life. And he starts doing (laughs) porn and drugs and all kinds of shit and then heals with nature Great movie, so fucking fun and very fun it's a blast to make. Shooting it, <laughs> um, and then some of the newer stuff we've got going on um, is a longer short film, like a one act. Uh, it's called Yes and, and it is about manufacturing the perfect movie quality date, <laughs> getting wrapped up in uh, 
in that kind of how do you be a hotshot producer and still get laid? It's based on a true story. <laughs> yeah, and I've I've read a lot of scripts and. It was one of the best scripts I've ever read. Like it was up, jumped seriously? off the page. It was great. Yeah, it was. Oh no, God. I mean, like, I'm not just I'm not just saying this to say this. Like, like legit. Like it's. I loved it. I thought it was great. I wanted to. I wanted to be in this, and I was like, I'm not right for the part, but maybe, just maybe, you know. Damn. But yeah, no, I loved it. I loved oh, it. I love that you dig it. And and there's another one in the works. I don't know if you want to talk about. Yeah, it Yeah, this one I'm gonna just briefly, briefly mention because I. It is still very much in pre-production at this point. It's called Frankie. It is a black and white, super eight, surrealist short film based on a poem and all about kind of the dysfunctional ways that we manufacture ourselves and commodify our sexuality and when the lines between reality and performance just get a little extra blurry so that is it's a kind of a heavy piece it's a very trippy piece and it's unlike anything i've ever done before so i'm excited to explore that yeah and i've got something that i'm working on um it's a little project called ghosting and uh the teaser is what happens when your past comes back to haunt you such a great tagline. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Like right now when we're recording it, it's spooky season, but hopefully we'll have some of this uh, great content for you. But in the meantime, go out, find Good Vibe Cinema, Vibe Talking. If you're listening to this podcast on whatever platform, please like, share, subscribe. If you can leave us a review, it'll immensely, immensely help us. Yeah, just like just only like a five-star review though, okay? Yeah, don't, <laughs> I'm just kidding. don't leave anything less than a five star. We will hunt you down. We will find you. That will be your haunting. <laughs> no, we appreciate the support. Thanks for listening. Yeah, yeah. No, love you guys. Hopefully you've enjoyed this as much as we have. Anything else you have? I think we're good. All right. Thank you guys very much. Thank you, thank you. Have a good night. Have a good night, guys. <laughs>